Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text I will be focusing on in our sermon today comes from our gospel reading from Matthew 13, 41 through 43. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. I absolutely despise dandelions. They are a nuisance to a lawn and really hard to get rid of, including on concrete. They, put, they are stubborn and annoying. I've even trained my two-year-old daughter to pull these uh, yellow pesky fiends as a game so that they can be eradicated faster. But no matter how hard I try to use chemical sprays, gasoline, or even just letting them bake out in a tan, crispy field, these weeds somehow have just become the most resilient weed out there. In fact, if you just type into Google the resiliency of weeds, many searches will come up of various organizations and companies that use the dandelion as their mascot or symbol because they want their company to sound everlasting and unstoppable. Needless to say, dandelions, among many other pesky weeds, are able to be trampled upon. Weeds really only get their power of annoyance because of the large number they grow in within a short period of time. Other than that, they don't have deep roots, they don't have strong stems, they are rather weak and frail alone. But so many people have just given up on treating their lawns to the point that their neighbor's lawn gets infested too. It's hopelessly annoying. It may seem from our gospel reading today that the master of the field also gave up on treating his field for weeds as he told his servants not to separate the weeds from the wheat. But as the parable continues on, we are taught that, in fact, the master of the field has a long-term plan for his harvest. That plan, of course, is that at the end of the season, his servants will bind all of the weeds and throw them into the fire. On the other hand, the wheat is gathered to himself into his barns. Of course, Jesus here is not talking about dandelions or other pesky weeds specifically, but his explanation allows us rather simple-minded people to understand what God intends to do with both his church and those who uprightly deny salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In some ways, discussing this, this subject in a parable form makes our conversation easier to talk about. We are, after all, talking about living with God in everlasting paradise or being bound up into a fiery torment of death. That's not a fun subject to have, is it? Especially with people who uprightly deny Christ, especially those maybe whom you love and care about. It's uncomfortable. You and I both live in a world where the wiles and tears of this sinful world grows 
overgrows and sometimes even chokes out the people in the church. Maybe you have been snagged by the evil snares planted by the devil, which cause you to ignore God's salva- plan of salvation, or maybe just the simple life of holy living. Or maybe you know someone close who has dr- been dragged down and drowned out by evil dandelions of this world. But within this church, the comfort of Christ's gospel given to you in your baptismal life, where he places his perfect righteous life on you, gives you peace and faith. That is very important to understand. No matter how badly Satan's weeds grow over you, God gives you absolution when you confess your sins to him. We give him nothing but our weeds, our sinful, unlovable, disrespectful selves, in exchange for him to turn us into his wheat. His church, his sheep, his people made holy and righteous before the Heavenly Father. Also, he doesn't just claim you to be clean and saved figuratively either. He assures you that you are clean and saved by putting his perfect body into uh, to death and spilling his righteous blood into your unholy, weed-infested soul. He gives you everything you need to be his wheat. So, when we confess here in the moment the words of the Nicene Creed, he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, or the weeds and the wheat. Do not leave it in your conscience of which life you had, but more so the life you have been made into through the atonement of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners. We were all once weeds and still carry out the effects of being such. We still have the temptation to carry out our pet sins. But as the epistle reading from last week showed us in Romans 8 verses 1 through 2, we are no longer bound to carry out the sins that our flesh wants us to do. Instead, as we heard in the epistle today, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When the Lord shows us our sin, he turns us away from the shadow of weeds and turns our petals towards the sun. Pun intended. When the Lord causes us to face him, we are to repent and be reminded that because of the blood poured out, because of the perfect body given, because of the washing in baptism, Christ makes us his wheat. And if you are still in the paradox of doubting, the notion that you are concerned about which one you are, a weed or a wheat, shows that God's law is evident in you. You are a wheat if you hear the voice of our shepherd calling and asking you to follow him into understanding where salvation comes from. Just like the disciples who followed Jesus into the house to hear him teach about his heavenly promises, he, he, uh, the promises he supplies, believing that Jesus will do these things and listening to his teaching is reassurance that you are in fact his and he is yours. From here, I have one lingering question. Why does Christ wait until the end of the age to harvest his field, instead of just taking us right now? Well, there are a couple of things to consider here. First, 
No one knows the time or place Christ is making his return, except for the Father. We learn this in Matthew 24, 36. So the day of harvest, or judgment day, is not even known to the Son, who is the judge himself. In the New Testament, there are three references that he will come back like a thief in the night. And Jesus gives many other parables to show us that he will come back unexpectedly to judge the living and the dead. But even then, he expects his wheat to wait in anticipation for his second coming. It's not as if he, if he made a promise, left, and then expected us to become weeds again. No, he continues to give us strength through his Holy Spirit to lead a faithful and godly life among weeds until he returns. He also promises to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Secondly, we just talked about our loved ones, our neighbors who uprightly deny Christ. If Christ came right now, wouldn't they be bound up and thrown into the fiery pit for unbelief? After all, we know that Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So why does God wait? God waits as a form of grace for the unrepentant. We see this grace period throughout the Old Testament, including in the examples of Cain. After God after Cain murdered his brother, God put a mark on Cain so that no one would murder him. God waited 730 years to harvest Cain so that there could be a place and time for repentance and absolution. But to this day, we're unsure as the church of whether or not Cain really did repent. But we do know that his descendants did not survive the flood as Noah's family did. It is an unfortunate and sad explanation or reason for us also to understand that we, in this life and time, have a grace period to repent, be baptized, and believe. Yes, God wants us to repent of all our sins. We even say in our small catechism regarding baptismal life that baptizing with water indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Therefore, every day we should heed the word of God, ask for forgiveness, and be reminded that we are saved through Jesus Christ. So, when you are out in the world, the field, and the deceiving flowers of Satan's weeds take advantage of you, remember, the Lord's salvation given to you cannot be trampled upon. Unlike the frail stems of Satan's followers, the, God's truth and the faith he has given to you is not held up by a frail stem. No, it is held up by a thick trunk. A trunk so strong that it bore the sins of the whole world. A trunk so strong that it held the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from which his side spilled water and blood onto the church and continues to pour it out on us here in the service. Just as a plant needs water to grow, the body and blood given to you for the forgiveness of sins continues 
to nourish you. You are being assured of your salvation and spiritual growth. This is why having the Lord's Supper regularly is so important. The water poured out on us in baptism is also the strongest weed killer ever. And not only is it the strongest, it's the most everlasting, as Jesus is the everlasting water that gives us this life. And it is the everlasting water that cleans us and gathers us to our Father's house. And it is there where we will be stored forever and ever into our Father's barns. Amen. Now may the grace of God fill you with all peace and believing until we as his wheat are gathered together before the Lord at the end of time. Amen. We rise in the creed of him, we all believe in one true God.